although there was like a lot of noise that I'm a mother and I'm a full-time housewife and how will I balance things, but I just muted all that noise and I moved forward with my goal. I started exploring and enrolled myself into a software engineering bootcamp. My son was two months old at that time. And again, there was like a lot of noise. How will you do it? You don't have any help at home. You have a school going child who has classes. You have an infant at home. And plus you don't have a traditional CS background. How will you do it? Welcome to the Exponential Growth Podcast, where we demystify what it takes to break into tech. I'm your host, James Hudnall, and my goal is to highlight real-life examples of people moving into careers they love, so you can too. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by Madiha Gohir, a former makeup artist. We fast forward to today, she's a back-end apprentice engineer at LinkedIn, and she's also a full-time mom. Now we're going to dive in and learn more about Madiha and her journey into tech. Madiha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, James. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today. I'm very excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. So I thought maybe we could start at the beginning, going back to your early childhood. Where did you grow up? What was it like? Uh, sure. So I grew up uh, in an industrial city of Pakistan. It's called Faisalabad. I spent my early childhood there, and I also completed my high school uh, in that city. I'm the youngest of seven siblings, so I have four brothers, wow. and I have two other sisters, <laughs> big family. Yeah. Um, my father was a businessman, um, so my uh, brothers, naturally, they joined his business, and I come from a society and a culture where uh, it's very difficult to balance between men and women, like provide equal opportunities to both of them, but I really want to give credit to my parents uh, for providing equal opportunities to their daughters, especially when it came to our education. Yeah. When my father passed away, my uh, mother raised me as a single parent, and she really stood up for me uh, to provide me better educational opportunities. And uh, then we moved to another city that has uh, those better educational opportunities. Um, and I completed my bachelor's in finance while I was there, which was a big win because it was not very common in my culture, especially for a girl to move to another city for better educational opportunities at that time. And then I remember that I convinced uh, my mom that I want to work before I get married because it is very, like, very common for a girl to, you know, once they're done with their education, the next step is to, you know, get married. Yeah. And I really uh, appreciate that my mom always encouraged me. She was there on my side and uh, she invested her time and energy on me, especially uh, she was doing it all alone. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't easy for her to do that uh, yeah. as a single parent. So anyways, I spent a couple of years, I uh, did some internships in the banking sector and then I worked in a multinational as well. Okay. Then I got married and um, I came to the US and uh, that was my first time exposure to software engineering as well because I got married to a software engineer. <laughs> Okay. So going back a little bit, your decision to study finance in college, is that something that you always wanted to do as a young girl? Or did you just kind of land on that right before? So, uh, yeah, uh, I would like to talk about that. As I mentioned that my, my father uh, had a business. He was a, a very successful businessman in Faisalabad. And I always wanted to join his business. Uh, but unfortunately, it was a male-dominating society. And uh, although it was very easy for my brothers to, you know, get everything on the plate, even without asking. Yeah. As a girl, it was very challenging for me to convince my parents or even to, you know, show up there in a room full of men. Yeah. just physically work there. 
So I thought maybe it would be an easy way to enroll myself into a business school, get proper education, and uh, then maybe, you know, come back and do something in that uh, particular field. Okay. But then I, uh, as I like started exploring more into finance, I found out that, you know, maybe I can work in a multinational, maybe I can work in the banking sector. And, uh, you know, maybe that would be a better route for me. Origin behind that, uh, like the backstory, why I wanted to be in finance or why I wanted to join a business school was always this idea that I want to prove that I'm no less than men and I'm, uh, I can do better. Uh, maybe I can do better in this field yeah. than many other uh, men are doing. Good for you. No, good for you. And yeah, so I, I know how, I don't want to say how it ends, but I know where you ended up. And that is an amazing story too, that I definitely want to get to. But at this point, I think you had mentioned, I know when you come to the States, that's the first exposure. It sounds like you had to software engineering, but going back to either, either childhood or, you know, high school or college, did you ever think that you might want to work in tech or a tech related role or would that come later? Uh, that definitely came later. I, okay. as I said that, you know, I never had this exposure of tech or software engineering when, yeah. uh, when I was in school or when I was working. Uh, my whole fo focus was towards finance or maybe start my own business. So that was my goal that I want to be a businesswoman or an entrepreneur. Yeah. As we move forward with my story, I will uh, like share more about like where I landed uh, yeah. before I landed uh, sure. to be a software engineer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. And then so coming from Pakistan to the US, I just I had a question here because I get several messages asking about sponsorship and whatnot. So I'm curious to the extent that you're comfortable, what did that journey, I guess, from Pakistan to the US? How did that play out? Did you have to apply for a visa or? I actually applied for a green card uh, after I got married. My husband, um, uh, he was a citizen at that time. And uh, that's how I got the green card. And then later I got the citizenship as well. Okay. And then so you come over to the States. And so what happens next at that point? You're now in America. Yeah, so then it was like a different chapter of my life that started. Uh, I got pregnant right after I came to the U.S. Everything was new, the culture, the language, the people. I didn't have any family members here apart from my husband. But I'm someone who doesn't get frustrated by new change in my life. Rather, I take it very positively um, and I take it as an opportunity to learn new skills uh, yeah. that can help me on my way. Yeah. So I started working on that, uh, taking baby steps, taking one, one day at a time and learning new skills, be it yeah. you know, learning how to cook, learning how to drive. Yeah. I invested myself in making new connections. And um, then I had my daughter. It was my first child. So I had a lot of new skills to learn in this uh, country. But after I spent like two years like this, uh, I was a full-time mom. I realized that, you know, this was not something in my goals. I wanted to be more than that. Like, yeah. you know, I can be a good mom. At the same time, uh, I can work on my career as well. And as I mentioned that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I started looking for opportunities that couldn't affect my, you know, my motherhood or my full-time housewife job. And yeah. at the same time, I can do something yeah. as a side gig. I was very much interested in doing makeup. Um, I'm, I'm a very creative person. So I started looking for opportunities if there are any makeup schools. And I found one makeup school in San Francisco. It's uh, called Blush School of Makeup. I enrolled myself there and my husband supported me a lot at that time as well. 
although there was like a lot of noise that I'm a mother and I'm a full-time housewife and how will I balance things but I just muted all that noise and I moved forward with my goal. I completed my certification and I started working as a makeup artist. I started working in uh, fashion shows and uh, also like I started taking clients at home. I made a home-based studio where I used to uh, see my clients and uh, I learned various skills during that time. I learned uh, really good communication skills because I figured out that, you know, uh, your product, when you're doing makeup artistry, your product is your client because your skill can be shown on their face. But at the same time, you have to convince them about new trends and you also have to, you know, understand what they desire and then you have to like deliver your service to them. So uh, I really enjoyed working as a makeup artist I built a small uh, makeup business of my own I was enjoying it I I was working flexible hours you know my daughter was not being affected my house was not being affected I was also uh, being able to do something um, as far as my career was concerned Um, so that that's pretty much it about my uh, journey as an entrepreneur for now at least it's so amazing because it i can definitely tell you have this growth mindset where you definitely don't want to be i mean you you don't want to be pigeonholed into anything and you i can definitely tell that you feel like you can grow into any avenue that interests you and i think you definitely demonstrated it with moving into makeup which is so amazing so you had your daughter i think i saw you had a a beautiful baby boy as well in one of our conferences that we had so okay you've got your your mini makeup empire going on and now what happened next did you have your son or did you have a desire to try something different everything was going smooth like my makeup journey was like i was enjoying it i made a good clientele and then a pandemic happened uh, and it like adversely uh, affected a lot Mm. of people around the world and during that time i was expecting my second child as well okay so I delivered my child during the first lockdown and uh, I had uh, some complications during childbirth. I didn't have any help at that time as many of other people who were uh, like having babies at that time, they can, they might relate uh, to my story. But then uh, I also like realized that my makeup business was being affected. I was not getting any clients. It was that time when everybody was so scared uh, for, because of the exposure. Yeah. So my uh, small business got shut down and um, plus I was ha- I was having a baby at that time. So I sat one day and I told myself, Madiha, now you have much more exposure than you used to have when you had your first child and I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not going to get this whole depression get me at this point. Yeah. It's okay if my business is not working and uh, it's okay if I'm, you know, doing everything alone. Although like my husband is there, uh, but just talking about the general family support. And I decided that I want to explore other opportunities. As I said that my first time exposure to software engineering was when I married my husband. And I always used to be very curious about getting into coding and can I code? And, you know, I don't have that uh, traditional background. Can I still code? And back uh, in those years, the answer I used to get is, no, you will have to get a four-year CS degree. And, you know, are you even ready to do that? Mm. Uh, It was not that common. Like, it wasn't, this idea wasn't very common that you can still break into tech with a non-traditional background. So I was kind of used to get discouraged, but I told myself that, no, there must be, uh, you know, some opportunities for people like me who want to break into tech. And I started exploring it and got my answer that there are several boot camps for people like me who want to learn from scratch. 
I started exploring and enrolled myself into a software engineering bootcamp. My son was two months old at that time. And again, there was like a lot of noise. How will you do it? You don't have any help at home. You have a school going child who has yeah. classes. You have an infant at home. Yeah. And plus you don't have a traditional CS background. How will you do it? Yeah. But I had that passion inside me. I had that uh, heat inside me that, no, yeah. I want to do it. And if it's not now, it's never. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe now is it's the right time. Uh, although it wasn't easy. Like yeah. I used to feed my baby and attend all day. Like I used to attend my classes all day. Yeah. And also used to, you know, be there for my other child. So it wasn't easy. I won't say it was an easy process. Yeah. But I'm glad to say that uh, when he was, uh, I think, um, seven months old, I graduated as a software engineer. I was so happy to celebrate with my children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a big win for me to yeah. be able to do it during pandemic without yeah. any help with two kids. Yeah, no, I, I have questions about that because it's the, yeah, I think you went to the Hackbright Academy, if I yeah. saw that right. But even before that, I'm trying to think back to when I made that same decision and I thought I was in a tough situation, but yeah, you already had one child and you were basically the, the caretaker at home, but you still followed that burning desire and the growth mindset that you have. You were determined to make that work. So yeah, you, my uh, my own journey was child's play compared to that, Madiha. So congratulations <laughs> again. I know I'm not the first person to tell you that. Going back to Hackbright Academy, or maybe backing up even a little bit further. So the first time that you were exposed to code and trying to learn how to program maybe in Hackbright Academy, a lot of people, myself included, when they first start, they're like, oh, I'm not smart enough. Nothing is sticking. What am I doing here? Did those thoughts ever go through your mind? And if so, how did you maybe work through them? Definitely, like such kind of thoughts used to come into my mind. But I, when I started it, I've already made up my mind that, you know, I am going to mute such thoughts and I'm going to uh, believe in myself uh, because... Otherwise, I felt like a lot of people were there who were doubting me. If I yeah. would have started doubting myself, yeah. that it won't be uh, yeah. possible for me uh, to become a software engineer. Yeah. So, and another thing uh, that helped me is I also took a prep course before I started the extensive software engineering bootcamp. Um, uh, and that was also being offered by Hackbright. It was okay. for uh, four weeks um, and they just, you know, help you prep for the next step okay. in the boot camp. So I think that helped a lot as well. And it was kind of slow paced. They um, start from scratch uh, and then, you know, start from A, B, C, D, and then take you to the next level. Yeah. So I think that helped a lot, but definitely there was a certain points where I felt that like, uh, you know, this is something very tough, especially when I had to take care of the kids as well as I was trying to focus on the coding and, you know, when yeah. you can relate that, you know, if your child is crying nonstop yeah. and you want to focus, it gets really tough. Yeah. But I feel like I had that potential to move forward, to keep going and not to give up. And that is yeah. very important that these thoughts will come into your mind, but you have to train your brain that, you know, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up yeah. and I will get there. And I think that mindset has helped me a lot, even at my job uh, yeah. at this moment, I still keep telling myself that I will get there and I'm yeah. not going to give up. And uh, that is very helpful. 
Yeah. No, good for you. It's it's like those thoughts entered your mind, but you, as soon as they did, you, you took a broom and you just swept them away and refused yes. to let them linger there. And that's that right there. I mean, that's the theme of life, I think, but definitely of the episode is that mm -hmm. they're going to happen. You're going to go through that imposter syndrome and it's okay to acknowledge it, but it's also important to recognize that you're going to get better as long as you keep I always say get 1% better each day, but as long as you're moving forward towards your goal, you know, those, those low points help us appreciate the, the good days. So you graduate from Hackbright Academy. Did they have any kind of career services as well, or was it strictly technical? Uh, oh, yes, they do. Uh, so there was a career fair uh, right after we graduated. And uh, during our uh, graduation, I remember that there were some companies who came to see our presentation as well. And a few of my friends actually landed with really uh, good jobs through that nice. career fair. Okay. Uh, even I got to get that opportunity to interview with some really well-known companies. Yeah. Uh, so they do offer uh, career services as well. Can we talk about that? We love talking about interviews on here. Anything that went great, any interviews that you're comfortable talking about that you bombed, and then maybe things that you learned from that that helped you later on? Do any stand out? Yes, definitely. So I would like to first mention that whoever is, you know, in that boat of learning how to code and uh they think that is enough. I think there's another world of interviewing with companies and there's another skill that you need to acquire. Yes. Which is quite different from actually coding. And I realized that when I first started interviewing that, you know, lead code is something that I need to invest much of my time for the yeah. rest couple of months. And uh, as I moved forward uh, in the interview process, then I started learning new things. Although like I was trying my best to practice a lot on lead code, whenever I used to go in the interviews, I realized that there are other skills that I need to work on as well. For example, sharing my thought process as I'm coding. So I don't know, maybe I got lucky uh, that uh, I got to have that opportunity to interview with a few of the well-known companies and they used to really like my story. I used to make it to the final uh, round of the technical interview as well. Nice. And what I've learned is during my first interview, for example, I was coding. And I did not say much, like I was too much focused on the code. I was trying to solve that problem. And I thought once I will solve it, then, you know, I will ace yeah. this interview and, you know, I will get there. Yeah. They gave me the feedback that, you know, we wanted to hear your thought process. So I mm -hmm. think whoever is trying to practice for the interviews, whenever you guys are practicing, share your thought process, say it out loud, get that into practice. So once you are actually interviewing with someone, uh, you're very comfortable talking to them. Yeah. Another thing is implementing the feedback that the engineers are giving you during that interview in a productive way. I think that is also very helpful. And uh, I think that that's a key to get that job Yeah, <laughs> because uh, that is something that I learned over time after giving, you know, one interview after another and, uh, you know, getting the feedback from the companies. I remember that I was interviewed by Airbnb and I made it to the final round. I you know, completed all the questions and I was so sure that I will get this job. Yeah. But then I realized that maybe the interviewer was trying to tell me to try another way to solve it. And mm -hmm. I was so sure that, you know, maybe this is the right thing to do. I didn't get that. And this is something that I, I felt and this is something that's coming from my experience. So I learned, learned it over time. And yeah. uh, I just want to say that it's a process. 
yeah you guys will get there it's yeah. just it requires a lot of patience and yeah. the willingness to not give up yeah no take that feedback that feedback is a, a gift even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment every struggle that we go through i guess in general but definitely in interviews it, it is feedback that we can use in future settings so that's that's great it sounds like you interviewed with some amazing companies that's very cool i'm curious so how long was it until you, I guess, submitted the LinkedIn reach apprenticeship application from the time you graduated from Hackbrite and when you were doing all of these interviews? So I think it took me six to seven months. And uh, I know like it sounds a lot, but um, once you get in there, like when, once you start that interviewing process, you will know that, and you might be familiar that, you know, filling out the applications, find the right opportunities, you know, going into LinkedIn, dropping your resumes, writing cover letters, like it's a whole new process after yeah. you've done with your coding bootcamp or your, yeah. you know, your self-learning journey. Yeah. So it was like, it, it took me six to seven months of practice, giving interviews, getting all those rejections and, uh, you know, being able to learn from that rejection and prepare myself for the next one. Yeah. More confident, I would say, is another skill that I learned through this yeah. process. And I really appreciate for all the rejections, James, to be honest. I know when I was in this journey, I there were times when I used to be upset as well that, oh my God, why am I not getting in there? Yeah. But now I feel like I got tons and tons of confidence just by yeah. talking in those interviews and yeah. uh, being able to talk to other people, making yeah. that eye contact. It is helping me on my job at this yeah. moment. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I was going to ask you that if you were able to maintain that resolute, I will not let any kind of fear, uncertainty or doubt enter my mind. But it is good to hear that you are human. So those might have found their way into your mind, if only for a brief moment during that time. But again, obviously, you landed up in a great place. I am selfishly very glad that you ended up where you did. And I guess to whatever extent you'd like to talk about it, I'm curious how that journey into LinkedIn specifically went. I think I know that, you know, initially you have that essay as the initial filter how did you hear about the reach linkedin's reach apprenticeship so through a couple of resources uh through hackbright as well okay the career coach used to share like any such opportunities as well and then i have a few friends who, who are working for linkedin and they shared when you know uh i told everybody that i'm looking for job opportunities is are there any opportunities for people like me coming okay. from like non-traditional backgrounds okay so that's how I got to hear about the pro program. Okay. And then, so I know that you nailed the essay because I, I've, from what I've heard about your story today, I have no doubt as to why you passed that with flying colors. So then you get to the technical challenge and based on what you've said today, I would imagine that that technical challenge was probably child's play because, you know, you had the time to do the project on your own time and then review it. Is that how it actually played out? I don't want to say, was it easy, but was it? easy <laughs> i i don't say i won't say it, it was easy yeah but i'm glad that like i had the time to yeah. think plan uh design and uh, then you know solve the problem yeah. and then review it as well yeah. but as i said that uh it is just one part of the process like just solving the problem is not enough. Uh, also explaining it, explaining your thought process, what are the alternatives? And even during the interview, they might ask you, uh, for example, during my interview with LinkedIn, 
So they might ask you what are what would be the future implementations that you would like to do in this project. So you should be ready with those answers and you know you should be able to talk, talk, talk your code. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I won't say anything is easy or it was yeah. easy. I think it just requires a lot of practice yeah. and you need to work on your communication skills as well. Although yeah. we just think that no, you know, we just need to have our logic. Yeah over there and we should know how to solve it but uh, the other person really needs to know what you are thinking and how yeah. did you do it yeah and that is it's so i don't know if funny is the right word but i know i'm an introvert and i feel like a lot of programmers are perhaps they tend on the side of, of introversion and to your point it's very important for us to be able to talk through you know our thought process with others and as i know you can see now and i do as well the importance of communication within a team setting and even within other teams in that bigger organization. So it's, yeah, I, I can definitely appreciate the need to juggle both of those. And that's, at least for me, I know it took, I, I joke and say that it took me 30 years to get comfortable with who I am. So to those listening that aren't, it's not an overnight thing, but I, I think, yeah, just like Medea had said that trying to chip away at that over time and getting feedback and yeah, get, getting 1% better every day, I think gets you gets you closer to that goal. I agree with you on that. that it's not an overnight thing, uh, especially when you start your interviewing journey. It's not easy to open up in front of two other experts who are looking at your code and you have that feeling that, oh my God, I'm just a beginner. And you know, what if I make any mistakes <laughs> during the interview and they know better than me? You have that <laughs> thing in yeah. your mind. Yep. Just the idea of a two, a two or three or, you know, even one other person looking at your code and you're doing it live. Yeah. I think it makes everybody nervous. And I yeah. was always nervous during my yep. interviews. And it's a skill. As I said, it's a skill that you yeah. learn over time. And yeah. practice is the key. Just go in that interview. Just apply for that job and just believe in yourself and yeah. you will get there one day. Yeah. No, amen. So you do your interview with LinkedIn, and I think I know how it ends, but I'm definitely curious, A, how long was it until you heard something, and B, were you applying to any other jobs in the meantime? So I was, yes, I was applying to other jobs. Uh, meanwhile, in fact, I was actively interviewing with other companies uh, because I, you know, it takes some time to hear back from the company you just interviewed yeah. with. So um, I think LinkedIn took a bit longer and I kind yes, of I lost <laughs> I kind of lost hope yeah. I, and I don't know it's it's just with me or uh, like any other folks can relate to it that you know during that interviewing process the companies that I always thought okay I got it <laughs> this yeah. was the best thing yeah. and I'm gonna hear very good news I never made it to the you know I, I never got a, any offer from them yeah. but with LinkedIn I, I thought you know they took so longer I didn't hear anything so I was just thinking okay you know maybe I'm not gonna hear anything from them but yeah. one day I remember I received a phone call um, and then I got a voicemail because it it was uh, from a you know different number yeah. and it was not saved in my contact list so I missed it and yeah. then I got a voicemail that said that I'm reaching out to you I'm a recruiter XYZ it's regarding your interview with LinkedIn. And to be honest, James, I still, I was just thinking that, you know, I, I think, you know, they're just going to thank me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they didn't tell you in the voicemail. They just let you know that's why they were calling and for you to call them back? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. 
Wow. And they said that they're going to reach me, reach out to me again. And then okay. I received an email as well that, okay. you know, we tried calling you and uh, let us know if, if, you know, there's another uh, suitable time that you would like us to call. Okay. And I, you know, I messaged them and still yeah. I was not hoping yeah. uh, that they're calling me to offer yeah. me um, a job. Right. And then I finally talked to the recruiter and I still remember I was holding my baby because I was that... <laughs> Like I was in my zone that, you know, yeah. okay, getting another rejection maybe. Yeah. I was holding my baby and the uh, recruiter said that, you know, thank you for taking out time for interviewing with us. And, you know, we would like to offer you the position. And I was numb for a moment yeah. and I didn't realize how to absorb this news. Yeah. It took me a while to process that, you know, okay, it's finally happening. Yeah. And finally I got it. And uh, I can't explain in words. I'm with you. I, I think I was, uh, my story is not nearly as good. I think I was working out in the, uh, in my garage and I got the call, but it's funny because in hindsight, I think my recruiter had tried to call me for almost a week because it was, it was a California number that like you, I didn't answer because I didn't know who it was, but I yeah. got no voicemail. And then for some reason this day, I was like, okay, California is calling me again. What is this? And like you, it was, yeah, Hey, a similar thing. We'd like to offer you the position. So I run inside and I, I tell my wife and we're exuberant. It was the only asterisk there was we would have to move 1300 miles to Omaha, even though Long story short, we did not have to do that in the end. I'm curious about that part for you. I think you were already living in California, so it sounded like logistically you were set up pretty well for the office. Yes, yes, yes. I okay. am living in the Bay Area, and okay. uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm able to go to Sunnyvale or San Francisco right. office. Okay. No, that's amazing. And so now you've you've got the job, and yeah, I I think that's awesome. I remember my recruiter, when I was on that call, she was just spitting off all the stats and all the benefits and everything. And I'm like, I was trying to write everything down. And I'm like, I hope you're going to email me this because there's no way I can retain all of this. But yeah, I, I remember that that joy and that that moment right there, because everything well, in contrast, the little bit I had been through and that massive things that you had been through that moment right there, I feel like made all of that worth it. I know for me and I feel like probably for you as well. Yes, totally. It was it was totally worth it. And yeah. you know, all the thoughts and all the noise that I was like, kind of muting on my end, and still I was able to hear that, you yeah. know, it's so difficult for a woman with children to get yeah. her foot in the door. And yeah. that too, in, uh, you know, in tech, oh, yeah. my God, like, it seems impossible. And yeah. everything kind of seemed to mute on its own. And, you know, now it was my time. Now it was yeah my victory and I was celebrating my victory and you yeah. know I can't explain this was the best moment of my yeah. life you didn't just get your foot in the door Madhya you like kicked the whole door in so yeah <laughs> kudos to you for that that amazing journey and so now I'm curious fast forward to today or when you started or maybe a mix of both what is your average the day in the life of how is that in what in what sense so once you started the job the onboarding process I know I went through that as well and I know for me, it was like drinking from a fire hose in terms of the knowledge that they spit at us. So I'm curious, how was how was it after you'd gone from the boot camp, you'd gone through the six or seven months of interviewing, you finally got the job. And then I don't want to say just day one, but once you started in the job, how was that for you emotionally? How was that? Was it just like a natural extension of the boot camp? And it was like, okay, I'm hyper-focused. Here are my to-dos. I'm just going to work through this. 
Yeah, definitely. So uh, like onboarding, as you can relate that for many of us, it was a bit overwhelming that we had to go through a boot camp at yeah. LinkedIn as well. And it took me a few days to understand that I first, um, my first impression was that uh, this boot camp is just designed for the apprentices. But then I realized that there are other folks like senior engineers who are taking this boot camp and, you know, it is designed for people for coming from all uh, levels. Yeah. So I... I was kind of relaxed that, okay, you know, I will try to grasp as much knowledge as I can yeah. and I'll go from there and maybe I can come back to it later. Yeah. Apart from that, your question regarding extension of my previous bootcamp, I would say to some extent it was and to some extent it wasn't an extension because at LinkedIn, uh, obviously I have to deal with a different tech stack. I was being hired on a backend uh, track. So the next goal was to learn uh, Java. Uh, so I started digging more into it. But soon uh, I was being offered a front end project. Hmm. And in my bootcamp uh, with Hackbright, I was more focused towards Python. The bootcamp was not uh, JavaScript or front end hmm. focused. So that was a bit challenge. But then I love <laughs> dealing with challenges. Yeah. I was happy to take it and yeah. I know that I'm very good at uh, learning new skills fastly, especially yeah. when, you know, I believe in like rolling up my sleeves and uh, getting my hands dirty with it and, you know, doing it practically yeah. rather than going through a lot of documentation, reading it. So I had this conversation with my manager uh, that, you know, they offered me this front end project and I happily uh, accepted it. This was a totally different tech stack. I was uh, learning Amber. I was learning JavaScript frameworks. I took, again, I took baby steps. Yeah. I divided my time between yeah. learning and uh, executing the tickets that I was being given. Yeah. So far, uh, like I'm following this pattern and it has helped me a lot. And yeah. uh, now I'm happy to say that I'm leading a front-end project. Uh, nice. My team. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> so I think that's a big win. But yeah. definitely it wasn't easy because uh, as I mentioned, my software engineering bootcamp uh, was not front-end focused. Yeah. It required a lot of patience again and uh, a lot of dedicated time. I had to give to my, you know, learning and also like being able to present mentally yeah. during those team conversations. So yeah, definitely it, it was way different than the uh, boot camp. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm trying my best. Yeah, I just love that mentality where you're just like bring it on. Doesn't matter front end, back end, anything you have. I know that I can figure it out, and that is amazing. I, I feel like that trait right there, the ability to learn and learning how to learn. I feel like that's so important in today's day and age. It's not like you can just, especially in programming, you can't just learn XYZ and be good for the next few decades. You have to constantly be able to evolve and learn and absorb knowledge. And you have definitely proven that you are amazing at doing that, just how you have evolved over the last few years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Now, if you're up for it, I'd like to throw you in the hot seat to see if we can better understand the mind of Madiha Gohir. Okay. What does your typical morning routine look like? Uh, typical morning routine uh, always starts with my kids. Okay. <laughs> so first I have to uh, like figure out stuff at my home, sending them to school, um, you know, preparing their lunch boxes. And uh, once they're being sent, then I start my day at okay. work and... Uh, I start by whatever leftover PRs that I have to submit or I want to, you know, work on it or I have some bugs that need to be fixed and I start working on that. 
uh, until lunchtime. And in between, of course, we have meetings that we have to attend. So after lunch, then I devote myself to my learning, 20% yeah. learning time. Okay. And um, then I, you know, utilize that time. And after work, then, you know, my kids come back home, then I'm a full time mom, then, yeah. you know, I spend time with them, I cook, and uh, just take my daughter to her swimming classes, her martial art classes. Yeah. And then once they are gone to sleep, then I come back to my work as <laughs> a oh. lot of other parents who are yeah. working, they can relate. Yeah. feel like that my mind is more productive during nighttime when everybody's mm. asleep than yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So then I come back to my work after my kids are gone to bed and uh, I start working on any of other my like uh, leftover PRs that I need to submit. Yeah. I feel like LinkedIn and maybe many tech companies are like this, but I, I like how they give us that degree of freedom to do our work around our schedule within reason. And yeah, I really enjoy that fact because, you know, it, it lends itself to different lifestyles, just like you with needing to be full-time mom during those hours, but you're willing to come back. And not only are you just coming back to do the work unwillingly, you feel like you're refreshed and maybe you do some of your best work at that point. So I really like that LinkedIn gives us that flexibility. Definitely. I really, I like really appreciate being part of uh, such organization. I think that's why I'm very productive as well. And yeah. I think I would like to give this credit to my team. I think it depends a lot on your team and the people yeah. you're working with. Uh, yeah. Like everybody's quite supportive. Like yeah. sometimes I know that I'm submitting uh, pull requests, uh, requests like later in later hours. And uh, it is how it is. Everybody is quite supportive with the fact that I am trying my best and, you know, I'm trying to contribute in the way, like, I think you can relate uh, it as well. The way we all are welcomed uh, in yeah. our team oh, yeah. is like, remarkable. It's yeah. remarkable. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. I feel like I have, I have everything that I need to move to the next level. It's just a function of me executing, which I think is all we can ask for. Yes, definitely. If you woke up tomorrow with unlimited money, what do you think that you would do every day with your time? I would like to travel around the world. If I wake up with unlimited money, I yeah. love traveling. I think maybe money is not a hurdle at the moment, but definitely um, other factors are there like my children and the duties. And, you know, once you have unlimited money, I think everything, uh, you can take care of everything. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. get help too. Yeah. What What would be the top one or two destinations that you would travel to if you could? Have you thought about that? Well, right now I have a lot of places on my list. I haven't really traveled to a lot of places that I wanted to. I really want to go and explore Europe. Mm. Uh, I haven't been to Europe as such. And uh, then I can I can go from there. I want to go to Iceland uh, as well. So I think there are lots of places on my list. <laughs> I haven't even, you know, started my travel journey yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'll be fun. All right. Tell me about one or two of the most influential people in your life and maybe how they impacted you. I think my mother, I would say. I am really inspired by her, uh, the way she gave birth to seven children. If I think about doing that in today's age, I think I, I would never be able to do that. Yeah. And uh, not even like giving birth, but raising seven different humans who have different mindset and, yeah. you know, the way you can see that I was the youngest and she didn't have that support of a husband and she invested so much time, energy on my education, I think hats off to that lady. And yeah. she really 
inspires me whenever I'm in a tough situation. And whenever I think like my world is falling apart and, you know, what will I do? Yeah. Things get overwhelming for all of us. <laughs> and uh, I always think about my mom that if yeah. she was able to do it, I will be able to do it as well. Yeah. Secondly, I think it would be my husband <laughs> because yeah. he's a self-made man. He's very hardworking. He's very positive towards life. Uh, his true. attitude towards life is very positive and he's very he's a very different mindset in a sense, because I have an experience of uh, living in Pakistan and I have seen, I've seen the mentality of most of the men who are there. So I can see a huge difference that he has that aggressive mindset, the way he supported me, the way he stood up for me, it was not easy for him to, you know, take a stand for his wife that, uh, okay, I will stand, uh, stand up for her if you want, wants to, you know, set up a small um, business. And, you know, okay, the business has shut down. Okay, I support her for software engineering. Yeah. Although I said that I believed on myself, I would say that it was my husband who believed in myself first. Mm -hmm. He had that confidence. I know that in between my boot camp, I used to give up that I can do this with kids. Yeah. And he would tell me, no, you can do it because, yeah. you know, you just gave birth to a child during COVID alone. I was not there because you know that he uh, they didn't allow him and he always used to remind me how powerful i am yeah. so definitely like uh, these two people uh, really inspire me in my yeah. life i've learned a lot from both of them yeah no that's amazing you have that support at home both growing up and now in your current position that's that's absolutely amazing all right if you could send a single message to your former self to help you during this transition into tech what do you think that would be I would say just be more patient, although I was try to be, uh, you know, try to be patient, but I feel like there were moments when I, I was being overwhelmed by the whole process that, you know, why I'm not getting there, why I'm not getting in there, especially when other people who starts uh, with you, they are landing to, you know, good places. And then yeah. you start doubting yourself that what is that one thing that I'm not doing correctly? Or, you know, what is, what, what am I doing wrong? In yeah. the process so i would like to tell the former self that uh, you know be more patient and be gentle on yourself because i know that during this process i sacrificed my sleep i used to sleep for two to two to three hours when my son was so little and i was doing this boot camp all day i used to take classes and then i had to do my homework and then yeah. even if i'm taking a nap my son would wake up and me and my husband was were taking turns but you can imagine that you know i sacrificed my sleep and i realized that oh no you know <laughs> you need to be very gentle on yourself because yeah you are not sleeping well that you are yeah. you know you, you are unable to be more productive at yeah. work or you yeah. know at studies. Yeah. So that these are two things that I want to tell the former self that, you know, be patient and be gentle on yourself. You'll get there. Enjoy the journey, not just the destination and, and pace yourself because it'll, yes. it'll happen. If there was a, maybe there's a mother out there listening right now, they're thinking maybe they want to work in tech. What would you tell them if they think that they can't do it? Stop telling yourself that yeah. you can't do anything. Most of the times we tell this thing to ourselves because we are so used to of listening to other yeah. people's opinion towards us. We are so used to of that noise that coming from here and there telling us that, you know, maybe we are not good enough for this job. We Maybe, you know, we won't get there. So we need to mute it and start telling ourselves, start training our brain to unlearn 
all those concepts that are being fed into us and start training our brain that, no, I will get there. I'm able and I'm capable of doing a lot. Especially you said, you know, all the mothers who are listening to me. So once you become a mother, you should know your power. You are more powerful than than you're thinking. I think you can achieve anything you desire. I also would like to add that even if you are not doing anything, you're just a full-time mom because I have been there. There was a time when I was just a mom. I just used to take care of my baby. Even that is fine. Take one step at a time. Enjoy your journey. Don't be harsh on yourself. Be gentle. It's a process. It's a journey. You will realize during each phase of your life that you're just getting more powerful. You're getting more awareness. Just reach out to other women who are working, who have maybe achieved a milestone. And, you know, it's always very helpful to reaching out to other people for help, you know, yeah. getting that advice. Yeah, I love that. I There's nothing I can add to that. That was beautifully said. Okay, Mediha, what are you working on next? Are you working your way up the proverbial LinkedIn ladder? Yes, definitely. I'm, as I mentioned, that I'm leading a front-end project I did not even imagine when I first joined. I was kind of nervous. I had that imposter syndrome, uh, especially when I was first exposed to Ember, um, which is uh, a front-end language. I just told myself that, oh my God, (laughs) will I be able to do this? And here I am. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely telling myself to move forward and uh, to take that yeah. step on that ladder of success. And hopefully if everything goes well, my hard work, my devotion, and also the you know support of everybody on the team, then um, yeah. I'm, I'm very hopeful and very positive. Yeah. No, about I think the you're future. doing amazing work and I think it's just a matter of time. So is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today? Anything that we didn't? I think we have covered pretty much everything. Is there anything that you want to ask? No, I, th- I think... You had so many profound answers to the the questions I came in with, and I think I asked all the other ones I could. I did want to ask, where can people go to find out more about you? On my LinkedIn profile, they can always uh, reach out to me, okay. Madiha Gohir. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll throw yeah. that in the show notes so they can just click right there. And Madiha, I just wanted to thank you again for coming on today and sharing your story. It is, to say it's amazing wouldn't be doing it justice, but... Yeah, I really enjoyed learning more about you today. So thank you for sharing it. Thank you so much, James. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I loved having this conversation with you. And uh, you asked all the appropriate questions. And I really appreciate all these episodes because I've been listening to all the episodes. And I'm so inspired by everyone's story. And it's very encouraging for people who are from non-traditional backgrounds and who want to break into tech. I think this will be a great inspiration for everybody who's uh, listening. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's show, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. It's a free way you can support the show and help other people just like you find the story and others like it. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. And most importantly, if you know someone that might be interested in breaking into tech, tell them about the show.